talking about market volatility, especially considering what we've seen around Russia and Ukraine. We're also talking about women and investing. I'm so fascinated by how women think and strategize and sometimes do it wrong when it comes to their money. Often when we actually do it, we do it better than men, but we sometimes are a little bit slow to get started. So we'll talk about the reasons behind that. We'll also dive into Roth conversions. That's a question that comes from a listener. And of course, if you have a question for us or any topic you'd like us to cover on Everyday Wealth, feel free to reach out to us at everydaywealth.com. We are covering as our top story, really uh, what we have seen every day, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and all the stories around misinformation and disinformation efforts as well. Yeah, it's it's actually really compelling how much we're seeing on individual video that's just being captured by the people inside the conflict that is being shared for the first time in a wartime environment. So we'll we'll dive into that. We'll talk about how you can help if you want to help. We'll talk about the economic impact. We'll talk about the impacts on the market. But we've also got a little bit of economic news here at home just to touch on. And this is a result of the conflict that's happening with Russia and Ukraine is that mortgage rates, which were on the rise, have actually fallen by about a point. Many people have been thinking that they are just at a loss for snagging one of those historically low mortgage rates. That might not be true, at least in the near future, because as investors have fled to safety, which is what they do in times of uncertainty, that has pushed treasury yields and the mortgage rates that mirror them down. And that means that people who are looking for a mortgage are benefiting at this moment. At this moment. From what's happening globally. Right. And the way that mortgages work, you lock your rate in. So if you're on the precipice of buying a home, locking in right about now is not a bad thing to do. But of course, um, one of the things that we wanted to look at was what's happening overseas in Ukraine. And it's been remarkable. I mean, there have been many discussions about Who's winning the battle for the hearts and minds? Who's winning the, the narrative? Who's winning the story of heroism? Who's winning the story of uh, people standing up? And I, I think Ukraine, by far, has really captured the narrative. I mean, the stories around the children who have now been moved out of the cancer ward because it's been the victim of bombing and moved to the basement. I mean, just absolutely, absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, uh, completely heartbreaking. We think that about a half million people have already crossed the borders, but the United Nations predicts that it could rise to between one and three million people fleeing Ukraine, trying to cross into Poland and other neighboring countries to just get to safety. At the same time, I mean, my heart just sank for couples separating mm. at the border as one stayed to fight and one with the children left to cross and, and flee into safety. It made me wonder, how do I help? Right. I mean, I, I when I put my newsletter together yesterday morning for her money, I was looking for organizations that will directly route money to the people that need it. We've got a list of those organizations up at Her Money. But once again, Jose Andres I was has... going to say, World <laughs> Central Kitchen is always. right there. I think they've already gotten set up in Poland. He just helps bring together the generosity of the people 
in the area who have kitchens, who have food, who want to help in some way. So he is, he's an amazing person. And what a great organization to have high on your list of groups to think about supporting. Absolutely. Also on that list, UNICEF and Doctors Without Borders is there as well. But again, at hermoney.com, we've got a whole list if you're looking to send money. And in these times, I know sometimes people want to send supplies, but sending actual cash is the best thing to do. The other thing dominating the news has been sanctions. What can be done to stop Russia? And the focus has been on the Russian economy in the form of sanctions, not just from the United States, but the EU, the UK, Canada, working together. They have started to cut the access that Russia has to something called the SWIFT system. And if you've ever sent money overseas, you were likely asked for a SWIFT code. SWIFT is basically a messaging system. It's a way to secure the fact that these payments are landing where they're supposed to last. But cutting off Russian access to this system is a means of preventing their central bank from using the money that that is at their disposal. It's been fascinating to see this they're going to ban Russian aircraft from U.S. airspace. We know that the bombardment of locations inside Ukraine is intensifying, at least right now. Um, the president was very unhappy. Obviously, Putin is going to pay. spoke very aggressively about that. Interesting to see the Middle East mm-hmm. actually not that interested in diplomatic solutions in addition to what we're seeing around what's happening in the, the banks uh, and the global financial markets. Technology. Mm -hmm. Exports are being restricted. If you're a wealthy Russian, you're going to have your or already have had many of your assets uh, frozen. And of course, oil and gas. That's what we talked about last week, what the implications are of that. When I think the bigger question is, what does this mean, Mm -hmm. right? What does it mean to our economy? What does it mean to the global economy? Let's bring in Dr. Wei Hu, who has been with us before. He is vice president of financial research at Edelman Financial Engines. Wei, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jean and Soledad. Good to be with you. As you're looking at this conflict, what do you think this means for our economy and for economies around the world? Yeah, so let's try to put this in context. So obviously, it's bad for the Russian economy because they are suffering from the sanctions the most. But let's try to keep it in perspective. So in terms of the financial impact, let's think about the Russian stock market. The Russian stock market is down about 40% now, and it's actually stopped trading. So we don't really know how far it's down. But it's a small fraction of the overall world market in terms of all the stock markets around the world. For example, the Russian stock market is about one-fiftieth the size of the U.S. stock market. And there's countries that you would be surprised have bigger stock markets than Russia. For example, Spain, Brazil, South Africa, Netherlands, Hmm. and Iran. Oh, Hmm. wow. I Uh, I would not have guessed that. Yeah, exactly. So what matters is actually not what happens to Russian stocks directly, but what happens to the rest of the global market? So what most investors in the U.S. care about is, you know, they're invested in either stocks only in the U.S., so they're not directly impacted, or at most typically diversified global stock funds where you own a very tiny sliver of the Russian stock market. So we're really concerned with what happens across the world rather than only in Russia. And that economic impact will be driven a lot by the response from Western governments 
not only the sanctions on Russia. So the sanctions on Russia will hurt other countries. So uh, despite the Russian stock market being a small slice of the overall global stock markets, the economy has a bigger impact. So the Russia's economy is about one-fourteenth the size of the U.S. economy. So it's about the size of countries like South Korea, Brazil, and Australia. I've heard it compared uh, and, to the size it, of Texas. Yeah, some of our states have bigger economies than Russia. And in particular, it's not all uh, industries that matter, but in particular, energy materials account for about 60% of Russian stocks value. And Russia is the number two oil exporter around the world. Oil and gas matter a lot to markets. So uh, that's why we've seen oil prices increase quite a lot to more than $110 a barrel. However, markets are seeing a lot of uncertainty because we don't know exactly what will happen with the war, what will happen with the economic impact of the sanctions, let alone Russia's responses to those sanctions. That adds to the uncertainty that we already had from uh, the economy, the, the pandemic, what the Fed will do, uh, how fast it will raise interest rates. We're going to take a look at those very questions as we uh, continue. You're listening to Everyday Wealth. I'm Soledad O'Brien along with Gene Chatsky, and we're back in just a moment. Tax-efficient investing can make a big difference. Join us for a free webinar on Tuesday, March 29th at 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. You'll learn what tax drag means for your portfolio and how to help overcome it. How to get the most from tax-advantaged accounts, including 529s and HSAs. And if you register today, you'll get a free retirement review. Just visit planefe.com to register. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back to talk more about how the markets have been impacted by the current Ukraine-Russia conflict. Stay with us. The highest level of owner satisfaction. The highest ratings for reliability. Constant reviews for the luxury interior top rated for fun to drive and a look that says i love my mazda you see them everywhere on our streets and around town we want you to come see what the buzz is about as you shop for your new car come check the mazdas at any of our three south sound mazda locations in puyallup south tacoma and olympia driven a mazda yet you'll love it when you do Welcome back to Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky. We're back on Everyday Wealth. I'm Gene Chatsky here with Soledad O'Brien, Dr. Wei Hugh from Edelman Financial Engines. Wei, I think the question that many investors have is, what do I do? Right When we're looking at all of the complexities of the global market and the various impacts on our portfolios, on the debts that we carry. How do we handle it? That's a great question. So let's start with thinking about what the markets have been doing already. So invasion isn't a complete surprise to everyone around the world. Troops have been amassing along the border for a number of months. So the markets have, in some sense, already priced in some likelihood of an invasion and of the economic sanctions. And that's one driver among many that's pushed the S&P 500 now into a correction territory. It's fallen more than 10% from its peak in January. If you look at the, the VIX futures markets measure of volatility, 
Uh, we should expect some volatility for a period of time. And we don't know exactly how long, but in heightened volatility, it makes it even more unwise to make market timing bets on which direction the, the market's going to go because the swings from day to day and even within a day can be very large and very sudden. So it really helps to keep focused on what you can control. Uh, and those include how much you're saving, keep track of what your goals are, and whether you're comfortable taking on the level of equity risk that's in your portfolio. And so if you have already set up a plan and are comfortable with the portfolio that is designed for your long-term goals, then that probably doesn't need to change. Ultimately, when we think about what we as investors do, it may feel hard to mostly kind of sit by and watch things unfold and resist a temptation to do something with your portfolio. I, I think it's hard to do that generally, but mm -hmm. I think it's really hard when almost every moment of every day we're hearing something that advances the story forward. And as an investor, it's not possible to not think about what's unfolding, obviously, in Ukraine, but also what does this mean, you know, here in the United States? And especially for people who are closer to retirement, mm, yeah. right? The closer we get to our goals, the riskier this feels because when the markets take a tumble, I might not have the time to come back from that event. I might not have enough time to wait for the markets to recover before I need to start pulling money out of that portfolio. I think all planners really help to understand what clients are afraid of, what they're concerned about, and we're trying to put all the news from the markets into perspective and how much it matters for them. And so hopefully they've set up a process where they understand that a portfolio isn't going to be spent all in one year in most cases. It is worrisome to try to take out withdrawals in a market that's declined. Uh, that's one year out of many years of your remaining lifetime. That perspective really helps people stay on plan. Wei Hu, thank you for joining us uh, with your insights. Very interesting to hear. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, let's turn now to Edelman Financial Engines wealth planner, John McCafferty. Nice to see you back again, John. Thank you. Great to be here. So, John, let's say someone, a client, comes to your office and they're a little freaked out by what's happening. How do you walk them through their portfolio construction, considering all that is unfolding every single day. Of course. So we will specifically show them their exposure in this case to say Russia. The exposure in our portfolios, it's about 0.25%. So it's very minimal. Um, we'll also remind them that Russia's economy is 14 times smaller than the U.S. economy. The Russian stock market, it's really just a fraction of the global markets. While big picture, the events going on, they are pulling down the overall markets. The Russian market itself isn't really having uh, much, if any, impact. Um, so while the broad markets have declined, stock prices of oil and gas companies have risen. Diversification is well worth it, and this is why we always talk about it. The dynamic nature of a diversified portfolio, as well as our economy, the global economy, we will walk people through the specifics of their portfolio, domestic stocks, international, you name it. We're going to take them through the whole thing to the extent necessary. Hey, John, when you've got somebody that hasn't worked with you for that long, but let's say they are coming up on retirement soon, right? Maybe they even wanted to retire next year, and this volatility is making them think about that decision. How do you advise them? I'll go back to some of the core pieces of retirement that we talk about, spending, 
how dependent they may be on their portfolio for retirement income. I'm in a unique position in that I work in the Washington, D.C. area. I talk to a lot of people with maybe one to two pensions. A lot of other parts of the United States don't have that luxury. So if someone is thinking about retiring, say, in one to two years, I want them acutely aware of just how dependent they are on their portfolio for whatever percentage of their income. Because if you're dependent upon a portfolio for, say, 60 to 80 percent of your income, volatility, it's a problem. There's a lot of people out there that aren't sure how all this will play out. There's a recent poll done by Quinnipiac that described two and three Americans feel that their finances are in a good place, yet when they're asked how do they feel about the economy, eight and 10 feel like we're not in a good place. <laughs> well, I think that poll actually reflects what Wei was talking about when he said control what you can control. When we're looking at our own personal economy, as we like to say on this show, we feel more in control of it. As long as we have a job, as long as we're able to save a little money, sure, I mean, if we feel like we need some help, we sit down with a planner, we make a roadmap, we sketch our way to our goals. But the capital E economy with the numbers of jobs that are coming in or not coming in, the sanctions that are happening on the global stage, that feels very much out of our control. Which I guess means that to focus on, as I think Way said, right, your savings. Like, okay, well, you can control that piece, uh, your goals. You know, here's what I want to get to. Here's what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly, you know, how much risk you're willing to take on. I mean, even those things that seem to fall in the category of something else someone can control. I think there are pieces of it that you can take back to try to control. And it's very different depending on how far you are from those goals, right? So if, if I'm 40 years old and I'm looking out and retirement is two, if not three decades away, that's very different than somebody who is 55, 57, like me, years old, 60 years old and thinking, you know, I, I don't want to do this for so much longer. Mm -hmm. And if you're closer to retirement, the question I often get is, hey, we're a year out. What are some things we can do now to prepare ourselves? And literally the most important thing you can do, and you referenced it, Soledad, is track your spending. I know it sounds very basic. I have really grown to understand why that's so important. It is. Because keep in mind, it's not just about the market. It's also about aligning your spending with your income streams. And that's sort of an absolute, but in general, people tend to have less income in retirement. So you need to make sure that your lifestyle or your level of spending is in line with your projected income streams in retirement. Knowing that well in advance, or at least I would say a year in advance of retirement is critically important. What you're talking about is your retirement paycheck, right? What have you set yourself up for so that you know as you enter retirement, you'll be able to draw X number of dollars from our 401ks, from our other assets every single month to cobble together with Social Security a paycheck that will last as long as I live, right? And many people, because they haven't tracked their spending before retirement, have no idea how much of a retirement paycheck they're actually going to need. Exactly, right. And for those of you that are feeling particularly worried, if you're going to be in the workforce for, say, another one to two years, and again, there's no way of knowing how all this will play out. I can We can reference some past occurrences that are similar, but Keep this in mind. If you're worried about the downturn right now, just remember, you're potentially getting it out of the way before you retire. 
Remember, it's happening while you're working, while you have an income stream in place, so that when you actually retire, the big geopolitical event could be in your rearview mirror, and you may have some breathing room as you sail into retirement. Because the first, I would say, five years of retirement, they are more critical than, say, the middle five years or the last five years. How do we know if we're on track? So we are actually having a webinar it's coming up Tuesday, March 29th. It's six tax smart investing strategies. You can register at planefe.com. And if you register now, you'll be eligible for a free retirement review. What is that? Well, that is you get to sit down with a wealth planner like myself. We're going to take a look at are you on track for retirement? And if you are, reinforce that. If you're not, let's identify what are some of the things you need to do. And usually in conjunction with that, we're going to look at how you're invested. And right now, that's, I think, very relevant given all that's going on. Do you have to be a client already to get this free retirement review? No. If you are concerned, even if you're not retiring in the near future, give us a call. 833-PLAN-EFE. We'd love to speak with you. You know what stinks? Retirement is worse for women. Retirement is harder for women because we earn less, so we have less in our retirement accounts when we get to the end of the road, and then we go ahead and we live a lot longer than our male spouses and partners. We're going to dig into how to solve for that when we come back on Everyday Wealth. Listeners can join us for our new March webinar, Six Tax Smart Investing Strategies, on Tuesday, March 29th, 2022, at 3 or 8 p.m. Eastern. And if you register today, you'll get a free retirement review. Edelman Financial Engines, from here forward. Welcome back to Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Soledad O'Brien, along with Gene Chatsky, and we're joined today by Edelman Financial Engines wealth planner, John McCafferty. Gene, are women better investors than men? It's a complicated question, <laughs> Soledad. It is. When women invest, women outperform men. Not by a huge amount, by about a half a percentage point a year, although when you get to the end of the road, that half a percentage point can make a meaningful difference Mm -hmm. in, in the amount of money that you have. But it's not that we're necessarily picking better investments than men. It's that we are better behaved as investors. We don't trade as much, so we don't pay as much in terms of fees and commissions, and that helps our returns. And we don't make the bad decisions that you often make when you are frequently trading. Mm-hmm. So many good points. And that applies to our portfolios as well. We rebalance, but we don't trade a lot. So 65% of women say that if you give them a clear plan of what to do, they will take action. I think the data around how women are investing or plan to invest is really fascinating. It's fascinating. And to me, it's really optimistic. Mm-hmm. So we know now, for example, two-thirds of women tell us that they're investing outside their retirement accounts, which is, it's great. To me, that says you're maxing out your 401ks, you've got more to put away, and you're actually doing that. We we also know that nine in 10 women say 
they're going to do something within the next year to help their money work harder for them. And that could be reaching out to a financial advisor. It could be investing more of their savings. It could be making a plan. All moves in the right direction. And 86% of women agree that having their investments managed by professionals makes life less stressful. That that does not surprise me, that data point. Well, think about the women who are saying that, right? They are, I think they're women like us. Doctors, lawyers, big careers, kids, families, older parents, housework, laundry, Cooking, juggle, juggle, everything, juggle, juggle. right? And 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 that saying that if you have something to do, give it to a busy woman or however it goes drives me nuts because that's the last thing she needs. But it will get done, right? It, that's the point of that saying that that these women tackle everything. So being able to offload those things that are stressful to somebody who knows what they're doing, I'm sure it clearly relieves stress. And probably produces a better result because the thing that I worry most about with these women is that they won't focus on the money, that the money will take short shrift. But if you neglect to pay attention to your money, bad things happen. I I said it before on this program, you delegate your stress to me. (laughs) Women are much more willing to sort of come forward and say, here's what I don't know. Here's Mm -hmm. what is stressing me out. Here's Mm -hmm. what I'm, I I just don't understand. I think that is reflected in that very high percentage of people saying like, I'm going to be straightforward about what I don't get, and I can get a professional who's going to help me. A characteristic of very successful investors is this. They have a high degree of self-awareness. And this I will say, women more than men, in my experience, tend to have a much higher degree of self-awareness. And it usually comes in the form of this. Women have a much easier time of saying, I don't know. I'm not good at this. And when you're dealing with a financial planner who's a fiduciary, that is the best thing I can hear is when I know someone is earnest, they want to succeed, and they have a high degree of self-awareness, willing to acknowledge, I want to get this right, but I'm a little intimidated, and I need some help. Part of working with an advisor is not just the nuts and bolts of managing the portfolio. It's the education that goes along with it. It's having the conversations and being able to ask the questions. I've never been afraid to say, I don't know. And there's no shame in that. But you've got to have the right people to be able to have these conversations with. And I've been in rooms with thousands of women and done a hand-raising exercise where I've said, all right, hands in the air, are you an investor? And maybe a quarter to a third of the hands of women will go up. And then I'll say, do you have a 401k? And every hand shoots up in the air. And we are investors. We just don't embrace that. Absolutely. You know, Jean, the other day, we had this conversation about a young woman who's 25 and visiting with me. And she said, you know, I'm just so confused. I I don't know. I just don't know anything about it. And I said, well, you have a 401k. So you're an investor. And just to see her like, oh, I I didn't realize I was an investor. Like, you're you're already an investor. Mm -hmm. Now... Start thinking about what you want to do with that money. You're making decisions about it all the time, but reframing for people mm-hmm. how they think, whether they're 25 or they're, you know, 65, I think is is really important, especially in a world that often, I don't think most people know that women are very successful investors. I want to talk for a second, though, about the word wealth. 
because I think that for some women, even the kind of women that we've been talking about, women who are in their 401ks and 529s and earning six figures and have a college, if not a graduate degree, they think to themselves, but I'm not wealthy. Mm. Very often, these are women with fully formed financial lives. And yet they don't feel like they're wealthy enough to go into this active planning process. And my answer is, you know, this is who the planning process is for. It is it is for you and it'll be more for you in the future because right now women control about a third of all the investable household assets. But by the year 2030, we're expected to control the bulk of wealth in America. And part of this is because we're going to inherit twice. We're going to inherit both from our parents, but also from those husbands that will outlive. But John, I wonder when people come into your office, do do they feel like they belong there or are you dealing with imposter syndrome in your clients? There is some imposter syndrome. And particularly among the women. Yeah. So two months ago, I spoke with some clients. They were worth millions of dollars. And when I pointed that out, they're like, oh, I'm like, you're wealthy. And they're like, no, 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 not not us. Like, no, no, we still clip coupons. It's like, no, really, you're, you're in a good place. And the other thing that we hear regularly is I don't have enough money for a financial planner. And that is completely the opposite of the way things should be. If you feel you don't have enough money, you need a financial planner far more than someone with $10 million. I mean, you can screw up 10 million, but it's pretty tough to do it. But if you don't know what to do, where to go, how to get started, you more than anyone need to speak with a financial planner. And that is completely part of our ethos at Edelman Financial Engine. Such an interesting perspective. My personal experience has been that women do pull back from this my husband and I started a foundation that sends girls off to college and we would do these events and to get young women to talk about money, like it's okay to want to get paid well and equal to what other people are making. I mean, everyone would kind of giggle and laugh and I'm like, you should know what this career pays. You should ask. It's okay. It is your money. You're working hard for it. You should invest it how you want to see it grow and you should run it like you would run everything else in your life. But I think that's a tough conversation Mm -hmm. for a lot of of women. You're absolutely right. And so if you're listening and you're not sure what to do with your money, we're having an upcoming webinar, Six Tax Smart Investing Strategies, Tuesday, March 29th. You can register at planefe.com. And if you register now, you're eligible for a free retirement review. So some of what you'll learn, we'll talk about what tax drag means for your portfolio and how we can help you overcome it. We'll talk about how tax loss harvesting can help you offset capital gains. And we'll help you get the most out of your tax advantage accounts, including 529s and HSAs. We've got to take a short break. When we come back in just a moment, we're going to talk about Roth IRA conversions. You're listening to Everyday Wealth. I'm Soledad O'Brien, along with Gene Chatsky. And today, Edelman Financial Engines Wealth Planner John McCafferty is joining us with his expertise. We're back in just a moment. Stay with us. Tax-efficient investing can make a big difference. See how you can work with a financial planner to make it a part of your overall wealth management plan. Join us for our free webinar on Tuesday, March 29th at 3 or 8 p.m. Eastern. You'll learn what tax drag means for your portfolio and how to help overcome it, how tax loss harvesting can help you offset capital gains, how to get the most from tax-advantaged accounts, including 529s and HSAs. And if you register today, you'll get a free retirement review. 
which is a conversation with one of our wealth planners who can help you understand the strategies we'll be sharing in the webinar. We can also evaluate your current retirement strategy and pinpoint areas for improvement. Just visit planEFE.com to register. Edelman Financial Engines, from here forward. Welcome back to Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Soledad O'Brien, along with Gene Chatsky. And today we're joined by Edelman Financial Engines wealth planner, John McCafferty. We thought we would focus on Roth conversions because a listener, Tony S. from Baldwin, Missouri, asked a question about it. Can you further elaborate on the new legislation that is still pending regarding the future of Roth conversions? Does it only apply to backdoor Roth conversions? John, I've always thought it was an advantage in retirement to have different buckets to pull from tax-wise, to have Roth dollars and regular dollars, so to speak. I would agree. If you look at the traditional hierarchy of account withdrawals in retirement, generally, though not always, you start with non-retirement accounts. Typically, you're incurring a long-term capital gain rather than ordinary income tax, which is less considered 15% versus, say, 20-25. So first, you start with non-retirement accounts. Then you dig into IRAs or old 401k money, pre-tax dollars. Typically, you leave Roth IRAs for the last pool of money from which you withdraw. You want to give that money as much time to grow to as large an account balance as possible so that you can really reap as much benefit as possible from this tax-free stream of income. So once again, it doesn't have to always work out this way. But if you're looking for sort of a historical hierarchy of withdrawals in retirement, you start with non-retirement accounts. You then go to IRA or tax-deferred accounts. And then the last account would be a Roth account. And the hope is that when you get to that IRA or tax-deferred account, maybe your tax bracket is a little lower than it would have been during your high earning years. It's possible. It's unknown, but it, it could possibly play out that way. A few weeks ago, we did a segment on tax-efficient withdrawals. For anybody who missed that, you can pick it up at everydaywealth.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. So as far as the legislation, the Build Back Better plan was passed in November of last year. It's still awaiting approval in the Senate. We shall see what happens there. As it stands, an individual can proceed with what's called a backdoor Roth IRA. Explain. Currently, if you are a single individual making $140,000 or more, you're phased out of eligibility for a Roth. If you're married filing jointly, that number is $214,000, which brings us to the backdoor Roth, where if you establish... A traditional IRA, you can move funds, you can make a non-deductible contribution to a traditional IRA, and then your next step is to do this backdoor Roth contribution where you're converting this non-deductible IRA into now a Roth IRA. This is how people who are phased out get money into a Roth. Essentially, if you make too much money on your own to qualify to make a contribution to a Roth IRA, and people want to make contributions to a Roth IRA because 
it allows you to pay the taxes now and never have to pay them again. So when you withdraw, if you're afraid that tax rates are going up in the future, and many people, especially looking at the money that we have spent in the past couple of years, are afraid that tax rates are going up in the future, say, yeah, I, I want to pay these taxes now. I don't want to have to worry about it in the future. Would like to, instead of putting money into a traditional IRA, would like to put their money directly into a Roth. When they can't, they can put some money into a traditional IRA and then convert it to a Roth through what's become known as this backdoor mechanism. So do you think they're going to close the door on this eventually and that if we are thinking of moving money out of a traditional IRA and into a Roth, converting dollars, we should be doing it sooner rather than later? So at this point, given all the variables in play, 2022 appears to be an opportune time to move forward with the strategy. However, legislation that's currently being considered may involve retroactively implementing this new rule. We don't know what's going to happen in the Senate. Uh, I have read recent articles where because of inflation, it's possible that Build Back Better might get pushed out further because things are becoming more expensive. You know, repairs to a highway, repairs to bridges. This could influence that bill turning into a law. If you're interested, it's worth at least discussing with a tax advisor and your financial planner. We talked earlier in the show about how the S&P is now in correction territory. It's at least as we're taping this show, it's in correction territory. It's down at least 10 percent. One of the benefits of doing a Roth conversion when the markets are down is having a lower tax bill. Can you explain? Mm -hmm. Right. So let's go back to 2010 when this was actually made available to everyone. What was going on in 2010? Account values were lower. Therefore, it's possible or likely that in a period of a market correction, if you're going to proceed with a backdoor Roth contribution or a Roth conversion, your tax implications may be less if your account values are less or lower. It gets complicated, though, because it's not just that you are able to put some money in a traditional IRA and snap your fingers and convert it. If you've already got dollars in that IRA, it gets complicated mm -hmm. by something called pro rata contributions. And that's like one the, of those terms that's way up there. The what does that mean? The aggregate rule. Mm -hmm. Glad you brought that up because a lot of people just sidestep that or they're just not aware of it. When you perform a Roth conversion, you're not just converting, in the eyes of the IRS, that $7,000 that you're converting. It's encompassed in the totality of IRA money, pre-tax money, that you have in traditional IRAs, rollover IRAs. So in plain English, what that means is the golden carrot that's being dangled is tax-free income in retirement. When you are subject to the aggregate rule, the money coming out there's a large percentage of it that will not be coming out tax-free because of things like the step transaction doctrine where you need to be tactful about the frequency with which you perform these transactions because you can be subject to, depending on your income, an excise tax of 6%. You can be subject to a, a negligent filing fee of 20%. So I'm not here pitching doom and gloom. I'm just trying to make you aware of these things that before you engage in these transactions, Make sure it's appropriate for you. Make sure you're not going to step on any financial landmines. And there are people who can help you walk through this type of transaction and help you figure out, is it actually suitable for you? 
So those people, as you said before, not just your financial advisor, but also your tax advisor. Right. As a firm, we help people with this, but we're not proactive in recommending it. We view the Roth conversion as sort of a wealth neutral type of transaction. The assumption is the tax rates will be higher. And it's, it's easy to see why people would assume that, but that might not always be the case. And so make sure that you're not making decisions today that are diminishing your wealth with this expectation that it's going to increase your wealth in the future. It might not. We often recommend just solely contributing to a Roth IRA in the early years when you're, you're in a lower income tax bracket. You don't need much in the way of tax write-offs if the standard deduction doesn't already cover. And I would say a lot of people that are considering this type of transaction, whether it's the backdoor Roth or the Roth conversion, they're probably in their 40s, 50s, maybe even 60s. At that point, it might not be worth it. Even if it gives you some degree of tax-free income, what I help people recognize is what percentage of your income in retirement will be coming from this tax-free stream. And it's probably not going to be as much. So it may not be worth it. The more you talk about it, the more you raise nuances that are just complicated. There are a lot of questions out there and we want to help. That's why we're having a webinar Tuesday, March 29th, titled Six Tax Smart Investing Strategies. Tuesday, March 29th, you can register at planEFE.com. And if you register now, you're eligible for a free retirement review. Some of the things you will learn, we'll talk about tax drag and what it means for your portfolio and how to help you overcome it how tax-loss harvesting can help you offset capital gains, how to get the most from your tax advantage accounts, including 529s and HSAs. Well, that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this show and this conversation as much as we did. And we would love to hear from you. If you've got a question, if you've got a topic that you'd like us to bring up on the show, drop us a line. Visit our website, everydaywealth.com and submit a question. John McCafferty from Edelman Financial Engines. Real pleasure to chat with you today. Thanks. Always great being here. Always great being here. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you back here next week. Tax-efficient investing can make a big difference. See how you can work with a financial planner to make it a part of your overall wealth management plan. You'll learn what tax drag means for your portfolio and how to help overcome it. How tax loss harvesting can help you offset capital gains. How to get the most from tax-advantaged accounts, including 529s and HSAs. And if you register today, you'll get a free retirement review, which is a conversation with one of our wealth planners who can help you understand the strategies we'll be sharing in the webinar. We can also evaluate your current retirement strategy and pinpoint areas for improvement. Just visit planEFE.com to register. Edelman Financial Engines from here forward. Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky is sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Listen in each week to hear fresh and compelling insights and strategies to help you elevate your financial potential. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com. Find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.